Good morning. Good to see everybody. I was sitting in the front, so I hadn't seen many of you yet, so hi. And greetings to those of you who are watching online. A few years ago, I bought a bumper sticker that I actually put on my vehicle. <laughs> so I'm a fan of these uh, catchy bumper stickers that I see other people driving around with, but I'm not so much a put-one-on-my-own-car kind of a gal. But this, you see, what it just simply says, respond with love. And there was something about that that uh, captured me or that said, pay attention to this. So I actually put that on my vehicle. And when I traded cars, I got another one. So I'm still learning, okay? Um, unfortunately, it sits on the back of my car. So I don't see it most of the time. Um, other people see it as I'm driving around town, and I don't know what people think about that. You know, it's, it's my hope that it'll be inspiring in some way. Um, but I'm also fully aware that it could be read differently. So somebody could read that bumper sticker that says, respond with love, and think, oh, somebody that needs a hug. <laughs> but why, however they re react to it, it has ha had hold of me now for a long time. So um, Jesus teaches us to love one another pretty clearly. Love. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then there's another one. Y'all probably are right, you know, going right there. Even love your enemies. Even love your enemies. So it, it's pretty clear that those are not just suggestions. Uh, that's not just the teaching. It's what, what we are instructed to do. Um, that seems pretty clear, pretty simple, but... Pretty simple person over here. <laughs> like, I can make anything seem hard, right? So, I don't know about the rest of you, but sometimes those, those ideas, those commandments, those instructions, they're so big, they're so broad, that I wonder exactly what does that look like minute to minute, day to day, right? And... Um, there's something about that word respond that kind of puts wheels on the concept for me, and I'm hoping that it will be helpful for you today. Um, when we look at Jesus living out love in the stories that we have, I mean, very often, what, like, how do we know that he's being loving? How do we know that? He's responding with some sort of action to a need that someone has or in a situation. So he's responding with love. So we see that Jesus sees that the crowd of people are hungry and he makes sure that they get fed. He sees that people are hurting with questions, questions about living and about how to serve God and about how to be with their the people around them, and they have questions, and he answers a lot of times with other questions. 
but he responds in a way that helps them get underneath that and figure things out. It's when he sees people who are hurting, physically hurting, emotionally, spiritually hurting, and he heals. So we see Jesus' love in action. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, the first story about Jesus healing someone of a physical ailment is Jesus healing a woman, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. You can follow along up there on the screen. Um, and it's in three little verses, this little bitty story. And it says, as soon as they left the, the synagogue, well, we'll just read it the way it's written up there. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever. And they told Jesus about her at once. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. That's it. That's the story. It's just a little story. It's a big story in the lives of the people who lived it, but in, the, in our reading, it's, it's a little story. So why was that included? And why... Is it included in Matthew and Luke as well? It's in three of the Gospels that Jesus healed this woman. And it's a little bitty story in all three of them. Jesus healed this woman and she got up and served them. So when I was a kid um, and I was hearing that story, um, I imagined that Simon Peter's mother-in-law must have been like my grandmother, my southern grandmother, because she cooked a lot, and she fed people. If you were under her roof, didn't matter if it was a meal or not, she fed you, okay? And in between meals, she took care of people in lots of ways. So I, that's how I understood that story when I was a kid. But if we look at this story, it's like as soon as they left the synagogue. Well, it wasn't just any old day at the synagogue. It was the first time that Jesus had taught in that synagogue in the town of Capernaum. It was early in his ministry. And what happened when he, when he taught there was that people were pretty amazed at what he had to say. And then, and then, uh, it, it caused like quite a stir there. Um, and then, a man came in who was described as being possessed by an impure or unclean spirit. And Jesus released that man from that. All there in the, you know, so the people go that day, and oh, there's going to be somebody like, different, who's going to be teaching, and it's an amazing message, and then this happens. It was a big day at the synagogue. And it's after that experience that they go home to Simon Peter's home and find his mother-in-law sick, and then she's healed. 
What a day. What a day. And even after all that Jesus had been through, he responded with love and healing for her. And still, that story is one that I heard when I was a kid. It made sense to me because of women like my grandmother and my own mother. And then I got a little bit older. I got a little bit older and I rebelled against that story. I thought, now doesn't that just show what used to be expected of women, and sometimes still is, that she would be, have to like, be sick, and then the minute she's well, she has to get up and take care of people. And I was not happy about that. Um, but then, getting to be a little bit older, the story still didn't make sense to me because it didn't fit with my real-life experience. So just, let's see. She is very, very sick. She's in bed, and guests are coming to the house. Right? Have you ever been sick enough that you couldn't get up when people came to, to visit you? I have, and it's just a, really hard. She was really, really sick. And she couldn't even get up to help take care of people. And all of a sudden, one of the guests is in her room. I imagine that might have been a little discombobulating. Yeah. And then, he reaches out his hand, takes her hand, and picks her up. Just lifts her up. And this miraculous thing happens. She's well. It doesn't say she turned a corner, the fever broke, and now she can get better. She's ready. She's completely well. She's ready to go. And she's restored. Now, what kind of reaction? This is where it doesn't fit my experience. What kind of reaction do you think you would have to being really, really sick and then all good? I think there are lots of options. I don't think it would have occurred to me to go get busy taking care of people. I mean, you think about it. You might want to celebrate. Have a party. Yoo-hoo! You might take advantage of being the center of attention for a bit. Yeah, I was healed. <laughs> I know, me. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might be really excited and repeat the story blow by blow to anybody who would listen. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you would be so awed, so overwhelmed, that you'd just want to sit and take it in and just be with it. But this woman, this woman chose something else. She chose to go take care of people. Now, what happened to make her do that? Was she so different from all the rest of us? Now, let's think about that. Let's look at this story from her point of view and see if we can figure that out. 
I like to think that if she was lying there really, really sick, that she knew she was in trouble. She knew she needed help. This woman, who was always the helper, recognizing, I really need help. And when Jesus came in and offered out his hand, reached out his hand, what did she do? She reached back. She reached back. And as her body cooled off and energy surged into her, she got it. This is a miracle. This is miraculous. This is amazing. Somehow, it wasn't just the condition of her body that was transformed. Her spirit was renewed as well. Renewed with purpose. A purpose to spill out, to share all that love and gratitude from the care that she had received. But would serving food be it? Would that be okay? Would that be just the way? Like, was that all she had to offer or something like that? Hmm. You know, I was trained at my grandmother's table and my mom's table, like some of you may have been, to make sure that everybody had what they needed before you sat down to eat yourself. I was trained that way, but my brothers weren't. And uh, so well into my adulthood, embarrassingly long period in my adulthood, um, I often just bristled when I was the one that got nudged to get up and get more rolls. Marsha, grab, grab that tray of rolls out of the oven there, honey, and make sure everybody gets a hot roll. And I'm looking at three brothers and assorted in-laws and spouses. <laughs> but then one day, after an intense experience of spiritual renewal myself, I was yet again at a family gathering being asked to get up and serve smack in the middle of my own meal. There it was. There was that old cue. And with it, the old response. Right? That tired, old, usual reaction to be miffed because I was being asked instead of somebody else. But right alongside that old reaction, there was a flicker of something new, a flicker of something else. A realization that this was an opportunity to live out love. Who'd have thought? And then I served those rolls like it was communion bread. And I offered a roll to each person and I noticed who I was giving it to. And I connected with the love that I had for each one of them and cherished the moment in time that I could give a role to this beloved or annoying person in my family. 
And that is how I now imagine that Simon's mother-in-law must have served that day that she was healed. Of course, the disciples needed to be fed. Jesus needed to be fed. They'd had a tremendous, big, powerful, earth-changing, life-changing experience at the synagogue that morning. And then they came to her house where it happened again. Another miracle. Big day. They needed to settle in at home, away from the crowds for just a bit, just a bit. Get a sense of being rooted and normal, right? And allow that time for their minds and their souls and their hearts to wrap around what they had experienced that day. So like Jesus in the synagogue earlier in the day, and Jesus with her just a minute ago, this woman, full of love and gratitude for the way she'd been healed, this woman saw a need and offered to serve. She stepped in to serve. And by the way, in this tiny little story about this woman, the word that's used to say that she served them, she began to serve them. And I have always just gone to she was, you know, dishing out food. That word is from the same root as the word that is used for the disciples served the Lord. It became our English word deacon. So she didn't just serve food. She ministered to them that day. Now I can understand why that story would be told again and again and why that story wouldn't be included in three of the Gospels. But what are we going to do with it in our lives? Um, first thing that we're going to do is notice that she did not begin from a place of strength and wholeness to offer her service. In fact, it was because she was sick. It was because she was sick enough to get healed, to need healing, that she got filled up with that gratitude and that love and that purpose to share. It's an odd thing, isn't it? How helping, being the recipient of help, it doesn't just ease our pain. It actually can build our compassion. It's just one of those strange paradoxes that our wounds help us be better healers. So God doesn't wait until we're completely healthy, full of energy, and brimming with ideas before giving us opportunities to respond with love. And that, by the way, is whether we're individuals or whether we're a church like Kern Church. God doesn't wait until we are all peachy, all healthy, you know, all energetic. Doesn't wait for that. No. No. What God does is 
raise us up and restore us so that the gratitude and love that fills us up in those moments can flow out in compassionate service. And that means that the first step in responding with love is learning to take hold of the healing grace that God offers us in each moment. So when I'm driving, respond with love down the road in Knoxville on the interstate and a car whips in front of me and then slows down. And I start to feel my blood pressure going up and you know, getting inventive about what I could say to them if they could hear me, right? Um, maybe I can take a breath, breathe in the grace I'm being offered in that moment when my will is ill. <laughs> and then I could respond with love. And maybe when somebody tells me that I'm an idiot for the news channel that I watch or the, the way that I intend to vote, then before I can lay them flat with my own comeback, I'll notice the hand of grace resting on my shoulder, healing me in that moment so that I can respond with love. Or notice that I didn't and clean it up. So today, I give thanks for the example of one woman's healing and her loving response. And I invite you to join me in following her example. May God, in God's great, gracious love, Teach us to respond with love. Amen. And now, go forth with the assurance that you are being loved and healed moment to moment. Go forth to respond in love. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.